Hi, welcome to the New Story Church podcast. We hope that this week's message encourages you and brings you closer to Jesus. We're in week three of a series called The Spirit Within. And what we're doing in this series is we're having a conversation about the Holy Spirit and who he is. And last week, we talked about spiritual gifts. And we talked about what are spiritual gifts, and we addressed some of what people consider to be the more controversial gifts. And we had we were talking about that, and then we were talking a li- just a little bit about how to discover our gifts. And that's really what I want us to dive into this week, is what does it mean for us to discover the spiritual gifts that God has given us and begin to walk in those gifts and embrace those gifts. Because 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, Paul writes this, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each person is given a manifestation of the Spirit, not for themselves, but for the common good. And so last week we said this, spiritual gifts are a supernatural ability given to you for the good of others. Spiritual gifts are a supernatural ability given to me, given to you for the good of others. And every one of us has been given a spiritual gift. And so this week we're going to be talking about how do we discover the spiritual gifts that God has given us. So the gift that God has given you, not for you, but for the good of others. These gifts are intended to build up the kingdom. And when, so just to let you know, a little bit behind the scenes, I really, really like to plan ahead with my sermon series. I actually have series planned out through the end of the year this year. And then every year in September, I'll start praying and planning and I'll plan out the series for the following year. I already have some ideas for early next year. I could probably tell you our first three series for 2023 and where we're going to be and what we're going to be doing. Uh, I'm just always thinking ahead like that. And then every once in a while, you know, the Holy Spirit will interrupt me and I'll say, I got to stop this series. and and do something a little different here, maybe cut this one short or extend this one a little bit. But overall, I really like to plan ahead. And last year I was planning and I was gonna do the Spirit Within, the series that we're in right now in January. It was gonna be how we started the year. And I really felt like God was saying, uh, if you're gonna talk about the Holy Spirit, you should talk about God the Father and God the Son. So we did a series on God the Father. We did a series on, on the Son called This is the Way. And now we're in this series on the Holy Spirit and I'm just so thankful that it's actually happening right now. Because it's been two years now since it felt like the world shut down. And it, it was in this month of March 2022 that we all started, I think, kind of feeling together, hey, we're, we're coming out of this. We're starting to move forward. And even though there's some confusion and still some division in this country and some, and some miscommunications and all these different things, it felt as if we were starting to move forward. And while we, weren't, we haven't arrived, we weren't at utopia, we felt like we were starting to maybe heal a little bit together, or at least that's the feeling I was getting. And then a world event happens. Russia invades Ukraine, and then all of a sudden, everyone starts panicking again. It's like, oh my goodness, what could possibly be happening? And this tragedy is happening in our world. And then, of course, every Christian is posting about how it's the end times now, and, and everyone just seems to be panicking and, and work. And it's like, it's like, I just need to take a breath. Can, can, what, are, what are we supposed to do here? And I thought, this is such a great moment for us as a church to be talking about something like spiritual gifts, for us to discover who we are and what our role is. To see that we are not just people who declare and scream and yell about hope, but we are people who've been given gifts and abilities by God to bring hope. 
that this is just the moment, this is just the time, this is just the place for us to be having this conversation so that we can become the people that Christ had in mind because we are supposed to be the people as the church that in moments of crisis, in moments of hurting, in moments of confusion, that we don't stand back or we don't just yell and panic and scream, but we are actually the people who say, hey, we know the one who is in control of all things and so we are going to bring hope and as we know him and he knows us, we are going to become who it is that he called us and designed us to be. And so this is just such, I think, a great moment for us as the church to be talking about how to discover our spiritual gifts. What is my role in all of this? What is your role in all of this? And how can we become the people who don't always have all of the answers, but the people who bring hope and peace and life? You know, we're going we're gonna to be right in this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 24 through 26. And in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 24 through 26, Paul starts using this metaphor of the body. And he's going all over the place with it and back and forth. And so we're going to cover all of those verses today, verses 14 through 26. But at one moment, we'll be in like verse 14. Then we're going to jump to 17. Then we'll jump back. We're going to jump back and forth. But we're going to cover all of those today. And hopefully by the end of this, you may not be like, this is my spiritual gift. But maybe by the end, you'll have some tools to start to say, hey, this is how I think I'm gifted. These are the gifts I believe God has given me. This is how I'm wired. The first thing I want us to see today is that every person has a part to play. Every person has a part to play. If you're taking notes, write that down. Every person has a part. We say at New Story Church that we exist so that people can discover the new story that Christ has for their lives. And then as we come together as a church, we begin to write a new story in our community and in our city. So every person has a part to play. Every person has a role. But within, that, it, within this new story, you have a role. Every person has a part. It's not just, oh, we're going to work, we are going to work together and we have this general story that we're going to write. Yes, that is true. We're writing a story of new life and new hope and, and a new story. But within that story, as we write a new story, as we discover who Christ has made us, you have a part to play. 1 Corinthians 12, 14 says, for the body is not one member, but many. The body is not just one member, but many. This seems to be how God likes to work in the world, how God communicates, how God interacts with us, because God exists, not as, not as one member, but many, because God is one, but he's three in person. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's one, but he's three, and somehow that all comes together. And then we look at the church as a whole. We have churches all over the place that we partner with that are proclaiming the name of Jesus, and they have their role to play, and we as a church have our role to play. But then within each of our churches, as we are one church, each of our churches has individuals, and each of us as individuals have our part to play in the whole. It's all of these pieces coming together. It's where we get this concept of unity and diversity. But sometimes I think we've confused unity for uniformity. Oh, everyone just has to look the same and act the same and sound the same. But that's not what this is about. It's about you discovering your unique role to build others up. And then you say, this is not about me. This is about others. And we all have a part to play. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 through 20. But now God has placed the members, each one of them in the body, just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. He's placed each member in them just as he desired. When you are living in and walking in and discovering your spiritual gift, you are fulfilling the desire of God for your life. You are walking in the desire that God has for you. 
Each, the desire of God to live in your gifts. We, we've so overcomplicated spiritual gifts. And we, I guess I just got to keep asking and God will give it. Keep asking, God will give it. I'm going to address that in just a moment. But we've complicated it so much. And what we've made is we've taken the life that God has for us. And instead of making it about the fullness of human expression, we've made the life that God has for us about human behavior management. And we've almost created this view of God where God is looking at us and saying, I want you to do this. I don't want you to do that. I want you to do this. And almost like God is impatient with us. He has his arms crossed with us like a kid and he's stomping his foot. Like, I want you to do this. Why do you keep doing this? I want you to do this. I want you to do this. And we, we're like, God, why are you? And we feel we put this tension in our relationship with God because I'm not doing what he wants and he wants me to do it. But I, I don't think that God is interacting with us that way. I don't think God is looking at us like, I want you to do this and you're not doing it. I think God is more so looking at us and saying, I want you to see the life that I have in store for you. Just follow me. Follow me into this. I want you to see something that you could have never seen before. I want you to see the fullness and the abundant life that I have for you. And yes, that means letting go of some things, but it's not, a, it's not God stomping his foot and getting angry and ticked off or throwing a hissy fit whenever we don't do what he wants. It, it's, no, it's not that. He's actually envisioning us into a better way of being human. He's envisioning us into a new kind of life. And it's about us expressing the fullness of who we are intended to be as humans in the abundant life. It's not about, oh, let's just contain a bunch of things things. Let's contain our behavior and do this and don't do that and do this and don't do that. That's, that's religious. That's, that's not the way of Jesus. That's, that's hierarchies. We've talked about that before, but there's an expression that he's called us into. So how do we discover our spiritual gifts? If we all have a part to play and if our, us walking in our gifts is a fulfillment of the desire of God, then we want to discover our gifts. Well, last week I mentioned how spiritual gifts, there's a list for them in 1 Corinthians 12, which is what we read last week. There's a list for spiritual gifts in Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4. None of them are identical, and none of them claim to be exhaustive. And this week, I want us to look at Romans chapter 12, just so we can get a different look at some of the spiritual gifts that Paul talks about in in the scriptures. Romans chapter 12 says this, Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly, if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives will gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So there's a couple similar ones to what we looked at last week in 1 Corinthians 12, but there are some different gifts here as well. And once again, I know this gets really confusing because some of you, you've taken like a spiritual gifts test before and depending on where you come from, some spiritual gifts tests, they have like eight different gifts you can get and some places have like 50 different gifts that you could get. It just depends on what church and tribe you're a part of. And you're, I just don't know if I can fit. And then sometimes it's really easy to trick those tests as well. You know what they're asking. And so you're like, I'm gonna answer this way because I know I don't wanna have that gift. But it's not about if you wanna have it. It's about if God gave it to you. It's like, do you enjoy talking in front of people? Scale of one to five. It's like, well, I'm just gonna put one because I know that's teaching. I don't wanna teach. So, you know, it's a, it, 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 you know, it's, it's just kind of easy to trick it a little bit. And so spiritual gifts tests, I, don't get me wrong. They can be helpful. They can point us in the right direction, but they are not the be-all, end-all. And I just want to give us some different ways that we can discover our gifts and some different ways that we can begin to say, hey, what might it be that the gifts that God has given me? And the first thing I want to address is this, is so many people have come to me and asked me this question, do I receive my spiritual gifts before or after salvation? And my response is this, I think we need to stop placing an or where God placed an and. Instead of saying, oh, do I get spiritual gifts before or after salvation? I would say it's an and. 
It depends on the person. It depends on the situation. But so many people, they're, they're asking, God, give me my gift, give me my gift, give me my gift. And it's actually been with you this entire time. It's right in front of you. It's right in front of you. You've actually been using it. But it just hasn't necessarily always been for his purposes. But once the spirit of God is within you, you start to see, oh, I'm not going to use my gift for my purpose. I'm going to use my gift for his kingdom and his purposes. We see this with Paul. Acts chapter 8, he was leading a group of people to destroy the church. He was, he was persecuting the church and he was leading people in doing that. He was a leader of that movement. Then he gives his life to Christ and he becomes a leader within the church, maybe the most influential leader in the history of the church, obviously outside of Jesus. And he becomes a leader. Romans 12 says that leadership is a spiritual gift. Paul had that ability and that gift before he came to know Christ. But then once he came to know Christ, the spirit of God repurposed that gift to build God's kingdom and not his own kingdom. Sometimes the gift is right in front of you. You've been using it and you're just sitting, I just don't know what it is. And, and God's saying, it's right there. Oftentimes our gift also have a counterfeit purpose that we can use them for another reason outside of his kingdom. That's how the enemy does time and time again. He'll give a counterfeit purpose for something. And, and so some of you, it's just, it's right there. It's right there. You know that you can lead or serve or you have an administrative gift or organizational gift. What's my gift? What's my gift? It's right there. It's with you. It's time to start using it for his kingdom. And also just this, your spiritual gift does not have to be confined to only being used on a Sunday morning at a church. In fact, your spiritual gifts that are given to you for the good of others can be used in your workplace and your family and your everyday life. In fact, your spiritual gifts that you have could most likely has an even further reach than the gift that I have because I'm often just Sunday morning, whoever decides to come listen to me talk, you know, but you are with people every single day and God has given you a gift to use in that space. So don't overthink it. Secondly, you can write, these are not all going to be on the screen, but one of the other ways that can be helpful in identifying the gifts is consider where do you see the gifts at work within others? Where do you see gifts at work within others? This one is about having self-awareness and saying, I see this gift at work within them and that, you know what? I resonate with that. Maybe I have that gift. Or I see that gift work within them and I definitely do not have that gift. And it's a way of being self-aware and saying, oh, you know what? I, I get it. That's not my role. That's their role. Let me give you some examples of this. I, thankfully, God has placed many people in my life who have the gift of service. He lists service as a role in Romans chapter 12. And so many people in my life have the gift of service and I do not have the gift of service. So thankfully there are people in my life who have that gift. Now, just, just, just to clear, clear things up with this gift of service as well. Some people will say, well, I don't have the gift of service, so I'm not gonna serve. No, 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 no. We, we are all called to serve, but some people have a special supernatural ability for serving where it's just second nature to them. But just because you don't have the gift of serving, doesn't mean, well, you know what, I'm not going to serve because I don't have the gift and, you know, I just be getting in the way. No, that's called being lazy and making an excuse. All right. We're all called to have the heart of a servant, but some people have a gift for it. For example, I've told you all many of stories about my good friend and the executive pastor, Neil Friedman here, who has the gift of service. He's always looking to work wherever, whenever, and I'm not advertising for him to come do house projects for you, but he's always willing to work. Our house is, I love our little place and it's, it's been great, but the people who lived in it before us, I don't know what it is, but 
they did not know what they were doing with plumbing. And every few months, a plumbing issue comes up. And I'll typically call Neil, Neil, I need your help right now. And we had this issue with the bathtub a couple months ago. I was like, Neil, I need your help. I've been working on this. And he wasn't available. So I called Rafi Tudela, also who has a gift of service. And he came over and he was able to fix the issue because I wasn't able to fix it. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just going to create a mess. I'm that guy who I don't even want to try it, even if there's a YouTube video, because I'm just going to make it worse. It's just going to be worse. So uh, Ravi fixed it. I told Neil later, hey, don't worry about it. I know you weren't available. Rafi came and fixed this for us. And Neil said, oh, you couldn't wait for me? If you have someone in your life who is complaining about getting out of work or not having enough work to do, they might have the gift of service. If that is you, you might. You want to know how I know for a fact that I do not have the gift of service? Neil will be in my home doing a house project, and I will think to myself, when is this going to be over? That's how I know that I do not have the gift of service because I am not lifting a finger, and I am wondering, when is this going to be over? When is this going to end? There's so many people in my, uh, Joy Collada, she has the gift obviously of worship and music, but she also has a gift of service. Her and Aaron will be at our house, visiting us in our house. And she'll say to the, to the three of us, me, Kim and Aaron, she'll say, hey, does anybody want any tea? What? You're going to make me tea in my house? This is my house. I should be serving tea right now. But I don't think to do that because it's not second nature for me to serve people, but Joy's always thinking about serving other people. It's a gift that she has to, to build up the kingdom and to help others. 1 Corinthians 12 mentioned the gift of faith. My wife has a gift of faith. She's always pushing us forward. I can come to her and say something crazy like, hey, we should start a church. She'll say, yeah, let's do it. She's just ready. She's on board. She's ready to go. I used to sit around waiting to hear from God. God, when are you going to give me an access to do? When are you going to let me do this? God, give me a verse. Give me this. I used to sit around waiting on God. She taught me the concept. Don't sit around waiting. Just do something. And if God doesn't want you to do it, guess what? He'll close the door. Instead of sitting around waiting on God, just move with God because he's always moving. She has a gift of faith that pushes me forward to build me up. I think of people in our church, people like Mitch, every single week after my message, he comes and gives me a fist bump. He says, great message, Scott. He's encouraging me. He's a gift of encouragement and exhortation that builds me up and makes me say, I'm going to go write some more messages because you know what Mitch said? Good job. I'm going to do that. Bill Tixier does the same thing. Every week, Bill comes and tells me, there was a great message. And he comes and he tells me what he liked about it. Bill, Bill is so great at encouraging me that he was telling me this morning what it was about last week's message that encouraged him. Always encouraging, always building up. And there are people in your life, you need that, who are always gonna be encouraging you and pushing you forward. Some of you are those people and you've been holding back. And man, are people gonna think I'm cheesy or weird if I speak up? No, we need you to speak up and encourage people. I know people, Romans 12, listed the gift of generosity. Some of you know people like that. They just give and give and give. And you say to yourself, how does this happen? Where do they get all these things from? How does, I don't even understand. How do they just give? They just have this heart of generosity and they never ask for anything in return. 11 years ago, before I met uh, Neil and Lindsay, I met Lindsay's older brother, John. We got to be pretty close. John introduced me. I got to know his parents. And his dad, Mr. Morano, was like the most generous person I ever knew in my entire life. He knew what kind of jeans that I liked. And he would come up to me and say, 32, 34, right? I'm like, yes, Mr. Morano, 32, 34. And he would say, I'm looking for you, Scott. I'm looking for some jeans. He ended up for no reason a couple of times buying me jeans for absolutely no reason in the world. People, my coworkers are like, why does this guy keep buying you jeans? I was like, he, he's just a generous person. I would be at his house 
and he would just give me food. Hey, I got this for you. I got this. He'd start bringing stuff out of the fridge and just always giving food. And, and, and one time I was, I was working at this place that didn't have the best food and I was telling him about it and you could tell he was appalled by the fact that I was eating bad food. And he said, Scott, we got to get you some good stuff. He's like giving me good food. And you, you know, have you met someone like this? They just have a gift of generosity. They just keep giving and giving and giving. One of the ways for you to start to discover your gift is to identify gifts at work within others. Because then you'll start to say, ah, that's not me. Or, oh, that is me. I see that at work within me. I want to see how I can grow in that. So I'm going to talk to that person who has that gift and say, hey, how did you continue to grow in that gift? Because we want to grow in our gifts. Identify the gifts at work within others. Another way, this is the one I hinted at last week. I said to pursue love because 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 1 says to pursue love and desire the gifts. It's not pursue the gifts and hope that love comes along because the gifts without love are futile. Pursue love. Seek to love as Christ loved us. Laying down your life for the sake of others. I have to seek to lay down, we have to seek to serve others. And I would say love, live, and listen. Love as Christ loved then begin to live in the abundant life, in the life of new creation that he has promised us. Love, live in that love, and then listen. Listen to others. Listen to others you've surrounded yourself with who say, hey, I see that gift in you. I see God doing this in you. Listen to others who are building you up and listen to those at times who are close to you who say, hey, you know, I think you think this might be your gift. Like you think you can sing, but you, it, it's, it's just not working for you right now. So uh, listen to those people sometimes. Don't listen to the critics, but listen to the people who in love, you're listening to them and they're building you up. Love like Christ loved and the gifts will begun, begin to fall into place. You'll begin to see who it is that he has created you to be. Love and live in that love and listen to others. And then lastly, ask this question. I've encouraged people to ask this question here at New Story before. This is a calling question or a purpose question. Ask yourself this question. What keeps me up at night? What keeps you up at night? I'm not talking about the thing that, that you just, you're really anxious about right now. That's, that's a different thing. But what is it that keeps you up at night that's a problem in the world that you notice and you say, I have to do something about this. I can't help but to do something about this. And as you start to discover the calling and the purpose question, you'll see your gift at work within that as well. I, when I used to, Kim and I were, used to be praying together about new story in the future, and we would say the thing that kept us up at night was that there were so many people, specifically in our generation, who had an interest in Jesus, they had an interest in faith, but because of church hurt or because of other things that they had experienced, they didn't necessarily want to process their faith with a community of people. And we looked at the local church and said, this is a gift that God has given us, his church. And so we want to create a space where people can come and process and ask dif difficult questions and grow together and discover the new story that Christ has for them because it was keeping us up that so many people were saying, yeah, I'm good with Jesus, but I don't really know if church is valuable anymore. And we said, how can we create a different kind of space where people can say, we're going to be connected here and we're going to grow together. And then we are going to write a new story together. What keeps you up at night? If you want to discover your gift, start, start thinking about some of these things. Start asking yourself, what keeps me up at night? Start realizing that it might just be right in front of you. It could be right in front of you. Our gifts were not meant to, the search for your gift was not meant to paralyze you. It was meant to propel you forward into the future that God has for you. Don't start living and loving and listening and start seeing the gifts that work within others and build each other up. You have a part to play, but also your part is essential. Your part is essential. I know this word essential has been a buzzword over the past couple of years. 
In the, in the body of Christ, you are an essential worker. You're an essential worker in the body of Christ. You have a role to play. Your part is essential. I'm going to be a little bit more upfront about some of the things that I struggle with in this point as well than normal. But one of the things that I, that I really struggle with sometimes is carrying th- this title, pastor. I think to myself, oh man, I, I, you know, and some of you are like, you don't struggle with that. You come on stage every week and say, hey, I'm the lead pastor of New Story Church. And, and yes, I do. I do that for a very specific reason one time, reason, because one time after service, after service, somebody came up to me and said this to me. They said, who are you? Somebody said that to me. And I thought, well, I guess I can just start introducing myself because it'll make, it'll let people know who I am and why I have a microphone and why I'm talking right now. Because I'm like, who are you? I was like, okay, so for organizational purposes, I will introduce and, and let people know what my role is here. But it does make me uncomfortable sometimes. And I think about, I carry this title pastor. And, and sometimes in, in the way that we view church here in the United States, we put the pastor up on this pedestal. Like the pastor has this elevated role and the pastor is, you know, the one who, who hears from God and he's the man of God or, or whatever, or how that works. And that, that whole thought just really makes me uncomfortable because I just don't see the church that way, and I don't want anybody to ever see, see me in that way. Yes, on an organizational level, I'm responsible for some teaching and vision and direction of the church and all of those things, but my part is not more important than anybody else's part, and I'm no different than the rest of you. We are all people who have been saved by grace in Christ Jesus, who have been empowered by the Holy Spirit to become who it is that Christ has called us to be. And we're all, or, like I said, organizationally, yes, I have a different role, but there's nothing special. I'm not a professional Christian because I have the title pastor. And so many people, oh, that's the pastor. That's the man of God. You can't quite, you know, he's, that's not how it works. I'm not, I'm not Moses coming down from the, no, we are a body and your part is essential. And just because you might have a more behind the scenes part, or it may not be as public as my part, that doesn't mean that your part is any lesser than mine. That doesn't mean that my part is more important than yours. Your part is essential. Every person's part is essential. And I don't have some special status because I have the title pastor. That's not how we roll here. Once again, organizationally, yes, some structure things, but spiritually speaking, within the kingdom of God, we are all a part of the body on the same level. 1 Corinthians 12, 17 says this, if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? You can imagine a giant eyeball jumping around like a veggie tail, which doesn't make any sense. Like it just hopping around, it's stupid. I mean, we can't just have one an eye or one body. No, we, we need all of the parts of the body coming together and working together. 1 Corinthians 12, 15 through 16. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. Now on the surface, it appears as if he's just comparing different body parts, but he's actually very intentional with the body parts that he's using here. He's referring to parts that might not appear to be as appealing on the surface, but they're every bit as necessary. The foot can't say to the, because the hand, the, the foot and the hand, and the ear and the eye, these are interesting comparisons. Uh, the hand appears to be more appealing. I mean, we shake people's hands. At least we're starting to again. We fist bump people. You know, we, we shake. We, you know, we don't have as many problems. But if somebody after service in the lobby walked up to you 
and untied their shoes and removed their socks and said, let's shake feet. You would say, this person's just a little strange. Now I know some people are into that kind of thing. But that's another conversation for another time. You would think this is just a little strange because the foot is not appealing as the hand. Some people, you know, and especially where Paul was writing, they, they most likely didn't have shoes, so their feet were probably pretty beat up when they were walking around. But just because the foot on the outside is not as appealing or doesn't get as much attention, that doesn't mean it can look at the hand and say, hey, you know what, I'm out. The ear can't say the eye. And on the surface, the eye is the appealing thing. I used to talk with my different buddies growing up. None of them ever said to me when I looked at her and she pulled back her hair and I saw her ears. <laughs> oh my goodness. And then I got close. I looked inside. I saw a little bit of wax build up <laughs> and some dead skin coming out. Oh, I knew then she was the one. No, I've never heard that. I mean, maybe somebody thinks that, but I, I, but I have heard, when I looked into her eyes, I was so captivated. They're beautiful. They're stunning. I was drawn in. Because on, on the outside, the eyes are the peeling, the ears are not. And, and what we do is we think, ah, you know what? I, I, my role is a little bit lesser. It's not as important. So I'm just going to pull out. Or I, I, I'm just not going to be involved. I'm just going to take some distance. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go away. I'm going to let the other people the more, I'm going to let the more important people do their part. And we've all probably struggled with that before. I know I have. Growing up, I was not the star student. I was okay. I was a straight B student. I got by. I, I made it, but I wasn't, you know, the honor roll student. You know, I wasn't the, you know, I'm going to go to the best school or anything like that. No, that wasn't me. I was not good at sports. I was kind of a clumsy kid. So I just thought, well, I guess I don't, I don't have much of a role to play. I'll just be kind of this goofy, smart aleck kid. And I just, I, that's just, just who I am. I, I don't have much of a role to play. Isn't it so funny that I measured my value based off of two arbitrary things, sports and school? Oh, because I'm not good, as good at these, you know, I just, I just must not have value. Now, if any students heard me say that, doesn't mean you can't do well in school. Like you should try, especially if your parents are saying you need to do better in school. But anyways, like I measured my value based off of those two things. I'm not as good as this, so I, I just must not have much of a role to play. And it's even carried on today as, as I function in this role. I'll be, at, I'll be at meetings with other pastors, whether it's at conferences. I was at a conference with a group of pastors in Phoenix a couple weeks ago. It was amazing. They're all great people. Loved being with them. But I'll be with a group of pastors, and I'll think to myself, I'll have this imposter syndrome, like self-diagnosed imposter syndrome. And I'll think, I'm not really one of these guys. I don't belong. I mean, I know that they all do important things, but I mean, we're doing good stuff at New Story, but I don't belong. I, am I really a pastor? And I'll start to struggle with that. Is, is this, and some of you have probably been there before. You have this imposter syndrome. You have a role. You've been affirmed by God in your role. You've been affirmed by other people in your role. And you're still saying to yourself, uh, I just don't know if that's me. So we start to just step back. We start to get away. And as I, was, as I was processing that for myself and thinking through it, I, and I imagine a number of you have felt the same way before. I wanted to bring you to 1 Corinthians 12, verses 21 through 25, and just read this over you today. Where Paul says this, And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. 
One part of the body can't look another part and say, I have no need of you. So if somebody has ever looked at you before and said, I have no need of you, if somebody's ever looked at you before and tried to devalue your role because, oh, you know, you just don't, you know, you're not the right or whatever. They were just trying to put you down and build themselves up. I'm sorry. I don't know what that was, but that is not the body of Christ. And that is not how we have been called to function. People use these weird hierarchical terms sometimes. Well, I have this over you, so you're done. That stuff's just, I don't understand. I don't get it. Is there, does there need to be a place for accountability at times when there are people who are doing things that are destructive? Most definitely. But if somebody has ever looked at you and said, oh, you know, I'm just going to put you down. There's no need for you. That is not the body of Christ. That is something else. Or again, the head said, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body, which seem to be weaker, on the surface, they look weaker, but they are actually necessary. And those members of the body, which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor. The ones that we deem less honorable, we give more honor to them. And our less presentable members become much more presentable, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. They don't need it because they're more, you know. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. The body of Christ should be the last place where division exists because the members have need for one another. And Paul said, oh, those that seem to be less are actually the ones that are elevated. It's as if maybe he was referencing some teachings from his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who said the first will be last and the last will be first. Building on some thoughts that we hear from him at another point in time where he says, God uses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. You may have been told at one point in time, there's no need for you here. You can't be a part of this. You can't be here. Come on over to New Story. You can be a part of this. You can be a part of what God is doing here because each and every one of you has a part to play in Christ. Each and every one of you has a part to play. Your part is essential. And I've said this time and time again, but I will keep saying it. Our gifts were not intended to devalue. They were intended to bring value. They were not intended to bring rivalry. They were intended to bring restoration. Our gifts were not meant to create hierarchies. They were meant so that we could come together and be a people who bring hope. That's the function of the gifts. And you have a part to play, and it's an essential part. And a cool little add-on here. Our gifts... They aren't just intended for us to function together. We've been given our gifts, and in them, we begin to feel together. We've been given a group of people in the church that we don't just function and work together, but we feel together. 1 Corinthians 12, 26. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. We don't have to continue to live in a space where when you're hurting, when you're in pain, when you're suffering, you don't have to do that in isolation. In the body of Christ, you've been given a people, a shoulder to cry on, people who can suffer with you. We need one another to rely on one another, to not neglect meeting together, but to build one another up. You discovering your gift is essential and critical because in a season of suffering, somebody might need your gift to build them up. And it, it removes all competition and rivalry. We rejoice together. 
We don't have to live within the stress of, oh, that person's ahead of me. They did something that I haven't done. Now I have to get ahead of them and I have to beat them and I have to get around them. We don't have to live with that because we rejoice together. So when you win, I win. When you win, we win. We rejoice together. It's not, oh, I got to catch up with them. I got to compete. No, we don't have to live that life. We can live the life of we rejoice together. We live together. We suffer together. We feel together as the church. You have a part to play. For many of you, it's been right in front of you. It's time to embrace it. Start to see the gifts at work within others. Encourage others in their gifts and embrace the role that you have to play. Love like Christ loved. Live in the abundant life that he called us to live and listen to what others are saying as they're building you up in Christ. What is keeping you up at night that you're saying, somebody's got to do something. I'm going to be the one to do something about it. And your part is essential. We aren't just one singular entity, but we're many parts coming together. And we as a church are praying and asking that you would embrace your part, your essential role within the body of Christ. And in doing that, we will function together. We will feel together. We will grow together. And we will write a new story.